podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. It's got to 2-2 and we've still got more than half an hour to go. And here's Ozil. Lacazette. Ozil! This is a Baby, welcome to the party. I'm off the Myers and the That's why I'm over retarded. That's why I'm over retarded. Baby, welcome to the party. Huh? I hit the boy up and then I go skate in the Rari. Baby, welcome to the party. Pick some of that. Give me lit. Gun on my One in the head. Good evening and welcome to another episode of the Touchy Gooners podcast. Um, you've got myself on hosting duties today, um, Dan Coops. Thank you all for tuning in. Um, yeah, man, come off the back of a 3-1 win against Leicester. I'm in, I'm in good spirits, man, and I'm joined today by the usual cast members, uh, Sharon and Shabs. How are you guys doing? Yeah, what's going on, man? Yeah, yeah, good, man. Good. And very, very... Uh, Pleased to uh, be joined by uh, a special guest today, Turkish uh, LBN. How are you doing today, man? I'm good, Dan, man. Thanks for having me on, man. Yeah, cheers. Thanks thanks for coming on, man. I've been following your content for a little while, man. I think I know that you, you sometimes you get a lot of stick um, for, 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 for keeping it real, is what I would say, um, from an Arsenal perspective. So very, very pleased to have you on, man. And hopefully you can share some of that real insight on, a, on our episode today, man. Yeah, man. Yeah, you, you see it. You see it. But that, that's all I can be real about the situation. So obviously that's all I can say. Mm. Lovely, lovely, lovely. Um, so we went into some added detail uh, in the post-match patron piece. Um, so we won't be going directly into that Leicester match in too, too much detail. But um, if you guys do want to uh, hear what we had to say immediately after the match, some post-match reactions, make sure you go subscribe um, to the Patreon, show us some support uh, for some of that extra content. Um, but I think, yeah, that Leicester match is probably a great place to start um, today. So Turkish, it would be good to hear your thoughts about the, you know, the initial lineup. There was a lot of rotation there. Um, and then how you felt the team performed on the day as well. You know, it's mad because obviously rotation was expected. So I know a lot of people, especially online, want to act shocked about it. But in reality, you go play the strongest team and a couple of men get injured at Arsenal right now. It's all peak. So you've got to play and rotate in the games that don't mean as much. And in reality, Arteta said it last week, the cup final is Thursday. After we lost to City, that's basically him saying top four is done. I think we as fans knew it. Some didn't. The reality might have set in last week. But he had to rotate. So it is what it is for that. But I knew rotation was coming and I thought 3-1 Leicester win. That's what I predicted, you know, because that's what I thought. Looking at the history between us last couple of seasons, they've got the better of us. We hadn't beaten them in the league. I thought to myself, coming into this one, their second or joint second, it doesn't really look good. On top of being knocked out of Europa League, I thought it's a, it's a mad one for Arsenal. But Leicester seemed to you know, be in trouble right now. Even tonight, they dropped some points at Burnley too. So I look at that that 90 minutes and I enjoyed that. You see, you said you're in good spirits and I, I was definitely in good spirits watching that game because it's refreshing to see a good performance from our club. And it was a good all-round performance. It wasn't just a good, you know, attacking performance or a good defensive performance. Aside from that first mistake and a couple of men being responsible for it, I think the rest of the game went our way. We controlled it. Very different emotions to the Benfica 90 minutes. But I think the Benfica 90 minutes were more of a reality of our situation. That's why I can't be too much in good spirits. But even against Burnley, win, lose or draw, the league doesn't really mean much to me this season because 
there's nothing left in it for me. Top six might please some others. You know, Arteta might tell us we need Europa League for money again, like last season. But in all honesty, I'm not hearing that. Right now, nothing is going to please me in this Premier League but top four, and that's not happening. So I think Europa League next week, Olympiacos, that's when I might be in good spirits if we if we rewrite our wrongs and learn from our mistakes. Yeah, for sure, man, for sure. I think I think a few people dubbed that um, the revenge match, but I don't know what uh, that says about us as a club. You know, if, if games against Olympiacos are, you know, you're calling them revenge matches and grudge matches and that kind of thing. It doesn't sit well with me uh, in my stomach. But yeah, Sheldon and Shabs, let's bring you guys into the conversation as well. So like, you know, how did you feel about, you know, the rotation and the the performance on, on Saturday? Or Sunday, I should say. Yeah, I think I think um, the rotation was necessary. Um, yeah, very, very much agree with what um, Turkish said. I think there were players who, like Saka needed a rest. Um, Erdegaard needed um, I don't know if Erdegaard needed a rest but I understand you know um, like I think he, he came and he 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 was injured or there was talk of, of of an injury and then he's played a number of games in in, in quick succession so yeah um, the, uh, the reasons around Partey not starting I completely agree with um, I think yeah we just we, we just needed a refresh so and I, I think that's self-explanatory so I don't even think um I need to spend too much time on on that, really. Um, I think to be fair to Leicester as well, they had a number of of, of injuries or or players out. It probably wasn't their strongest um, side. They came out of Europe as well, um, didn't they? They came out of Europe in it yeah. um, midweek as well. So it was one of those games where they've still got stuff to play for in the league. So I thought they would go for it, and they're at home. Um, I don't think we started well. I don't think we started particularly well. We were a bit shaky. Um, but yeah, I think we got the result. Um, for me, and I, I don't, I hate to, I don't pick on Xhaka no more. I've accepted, I've, I've kind of accepted it. I've, I've accepted him for, for, for who he is and what he is. Um, I think the point made about um, players taking accountability. Um, for, for me, he made a mistake. I know people are critical of Mari in the first goal. Um, Mari should have come across. I, I looked at a, a, a couple of things, a couple of patterns with. Um, Shaka, um, I like the way that um, they tried to build up with Tierney going long and Willian dropping deep, um, that ball into Willian. But Willian gave it back to Shaka and it was really quite a simple pass um, that he miscontrolled and then um, kind of it, it all went down hill from there. And I think it was a, a series of, of, of errors or lapses from Shaka in quick succession, um, which meant they were able to get the ball and break away and then he couldn't um, keep up. Um, I think El El Nenny could have helped out, and Nenny could have helped because because when I think about it, the defender in that situation, um, I think they're both occupied and I'm, I'm worried about um, Vardy. I think people were quite critical of Mari, but I understand why he's got to take care of Vardy in his mind first and foremost. I think El Nenny could help them out by either um, you know making more of an effort to get back into that back line so that Mari can come across, or um, El Nenny needs to go to the ball when reading that. Um, um, Shaka is not going to be able to get there, and I think he kind of did neither. So yeah, Mari could have done more, but I'm not. You know, I think people were a bit harsh um, on him in that game. But um, taking accountability and taking responsibility, I think Shaka grew into the game, and and this is why I do have a bit of respect for him. And you know, I, I think his, his his mentality. He does make mistakes. He does make um, too many a mistake for me, but. I think, you know, he continues to try and play. He continues to try and play. He continues to do stuff. So so credit to him. And yeah, I think two months ago we were here and, you know, no one was happy with the football that we were playing. No one was happy with the results. Um, we're not only getting results at the moment, but we're playing good football. I think it was an encouraging performance from Pepe. Um, uh, it, it was a lot better from Willian. The bar has been really low, but it was a lot better from Willian. So um, Lacazette, had a decent game. He got amongst the goals. Um, you know, I think yeah, the only the, the only um, not downside, but the but the worry was about um, ESR and what happens now. But that doesn't even look to be too serious. So yeah, we're not points off Leicester. We got three points. We've helped our situation marginally, um, and the performance was good. I'm happy. Mm. 
Mm, some very good points there. Sean, um, do you have anything that you want to add add to that, to the performance? Any specifics you want to mention? Yeah, no, I, I agree with what the guys said. You know, on, on the points about rotation, I think it, it was it was long overdue. There were certain games I was thinking that Arteta was going to rotate where he didn't rotate. So, you know, um, me, I was crying out for Saka to be rested for ages. You know, like, we can obviously tell this is our star boy going forward and we don't want to, you know, you want to you wanna protect him. You saw how, you know, how we useless to Wilshire to the point where he was broken, do you know what I mean, as a, as a teenager. So I think it's important that we protect Saka. So, um, so I was very happy with that. And I think, you know, just generally, like, you need freshness, do you know what I mean? So you need you need to change it up. I don't think it's good to, you know, you want to keep the people who are on the bench engaged as well. Um, so, yeah, I had I had no problems with it. I was, I was very much an advocate of it. I was hoping we did it more last week against City, to be fair, as well, because um, I was prioritising the Europa game. So... Um, so yeah, no, I was happy with that. I think Leicester sort of did the same. I think what you're seeing, you know, now with teams like Leicester, um, Villa, you know, those guys who they don't have massive squads, um, and you know, you know that every three day schedule sometimes it, it will definitely catch up with them. You know, Vardy's Vardy's getting on now, you know, so he's he's picking up more knocks. Madison's a key player for them. He was injured. Barnes picked up the injury as well. So. Um, and probably psychologically, they were probably affected by going out in the Europa League to Sparta Prague as well. So, um, so I think we sort of caught them on a good day, and we were fresh. You got to remember, like this is a season where, you know, it started in September. There wasn't like a big break, you know, like in terms of there wasn't a big preseason. So players have come back. They're not going to have much rest. They're playing like a, a massively condensed season. Um, they're going to go to the Euros. Then they're going to come back. Then they're going to play like another season. And then, like next year, you've got the World Cup in the middle of the season as well. So I even sort of feel sorry for the players, you know, because I'm a, they're going to be shattered. There, do you know what I mean? They're, there's not a big, big rest period. But anyway, I was generally happy for us. I thought thought we played well. Um, we responded well. One of my big actually criticisms of us under Arteta is that you know we don't really um once we go a goal down, we we don't really get back into games well. So I thought even though obviously we inflicted the, the damage on ourselves in the first you know ten minutes or so, we responded really really well and 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 that and that's promising. So yeah, well done to the team. Yeah, cheers, cheers guys, cheers guys. Some really good points there. And I think you know the point on rotation is that I, I even put out a tweet. Um, before the game kicked off, you know, that I had no problems with rotation. It's just I felt that a lot of the players that, you know, were the so-called second string uh, and coming in, I just was upset about the fact that they actually even still play for the club. I wasn't sure that they're capable of putting in a performance. Do you know what I mean? So um, I think it was very noteworthy that the, the, the certain players who actually did step up, I think, when we went a goal down, um, because I think it's been missing, you know, from a lot of these players who are the more senior players, um, for, for most of this season, you know, Saka um, has been the one turning up for us in the most important moments. Smith Rowe, we know that he's, um, you know, helped us turn our season around. Um, Aubameyang as well was missing from, from the starting lineup. So without these guys playing, I was worried, and you know, about whether Lacazette, I know he has been in good form recently, um, but Willian and Pepe and El Elneny more specifically, whether or not they were capable of, um, of stepping up. Um, one position that I do think was probably overdue for a swap was probably right back, you know. Um, and I know Turkish, you've had some strong feelings about that right back position for a number of years, you know. So, um, I thought Cedric came in and did his job admirably. I think, you know, when he first came into the side, I was a bit worried about, you know, where's his signing uh, going? He's 29, four year deal, you know, is that really one of Arteta's players, etc.? But I think he's come in and he's done, uh, he's done a good job at right back and I for one would like to see him sort of keep his place in the side um, it would be good to hear your thoughts on that Turkish and whether you feel the same Listen I, I was talking about this the other day and we've gone into seasons before but with Bellerin and Maitland-Niles as our first choice and second choice right back maybe like three years now this would probably have been the fourth year and then you added Cedric on top of that now with Bellerin and Maitland-Niles they both haven't taken grasp of their opportunity both of them have been given enough time in that position. Bellerin a lot more than Maitland-Niles. And Maitland-Niles understandably doesn't see himself as a right back. Okay, that's all separate debates. In terms of that position, neither have held it down enough for me or I think us to say, I want him right back and I'm confident about that. I'm not saying Cedric's done that, but on paper moving into this season, Cedric hasn't not done it at Arsenal, you know? At the end of the day, in my opinion, it's kind of a clean slate for him because we've went and given him a four-year contract. We've, we've went and given him decent money. So 
you need to go with him then. So I didn't understand going into the season because when we signed him, Arteta said he's our best attacking fullback. That was his quote on Cedric. And then all of a sudden, Bellerin starting the 2021 season. It, it didn't really make sense to me. So I just think that Cedric might not be the answer, but at least, you know, he hasn't let us down like Bellerin and Maitland-Niles have in the past. At least it's someone that we can look at and see hoping because I think that's what it is, Dan. You know, as much as we're saying that Cedric's been good, he was saying that because we haven't seen a good performing right back in such a long time. I don't think Cedric's come in and set the standard like Tierney came in on the other side and set the standard. I just think Cedric does a bit of a better job. He's a bit more efficient. He's a bit more competent. And I think for now, that bodes well. I think in the summer, if you bring in a starting right back, Lamptey, Aarons, and then you have Cedric as a backup, you move on Maitland-Niles and Bellerin, I'm a lot happier. Because mm. then you have a starter, a backup. You have experience and you have someone who's going to grow into the role year on year. Same can be said for each and every position on the pitch. I just think that Bellerin, listen, when he first came in, he burst onto the scene. I think every one of us was gassed about him as Arsenal fans because it looked like we had a, a good right back. It looked like we stole another one from Barcelona. It hasn't worked out. It is what it is. You know, like it's, it's, it's sad but at the same time, he's one that's often outspoken. And that's why I'm, I'm, I'm not necessarily too upset about, you know, criticising him because he criticises fans equally too. Like he's made comments before about fans. He's made comments about Sanchez saying he wanted to win too much. This man can't start right back for a, a title challenge inside, you know. I think not only the quality, but his mentality and character, and none of them are set for where Arsenal should be going to. So the sooner we move on, the better. Yeah, fair points, fair points. And I think, Shabs, on the on the sort of tactical side of things, right, I've been going back and forth with people on Twitter, you know, they're saying that, you know, you can't, um, you know, put all of uh, Pepe's uh, performances down to the right back. But for me personally, I don't think you can ignore the performance that Pepe gives you when he's not playing with Bellerin, you know. Um, I personally feel like, you know, Saka's shown us some stuff in that right in that right wing position playing with Bellerin. So you can't say all responsibility is down to, to Bellerin. But I do feel like you can't ignore the fact that, you know, if if you're saying Saka and Bellerin are capable of playing together, um and you're putting and you're putting that on, you know, well Pepe needs to um I guess stamp his authority on the game, then I think you also need to look at it the other way and say when Pepe and Cedric are playing together, maybe the instructions that are being given out are carried out better and more effectively by that pair. Likewise, um, and criticize, coming to criticise uh, Bellerin in that instance there. So what will your thoughts be on that whole right-sided partnership and who um, suits our players uh, more? Yeah, I think you, I, I make you right. You can't, I don't think you can say um, causality, but you can say correlation. If that makes sense, like you, you I, I don't, I don't think you can say Pepe's performances or Bellerin's performances are solely because of of one or the other, but you can say that there's a positive relationship between Cedric starting on the same side that um, Pepe starts on, and I think there are a number of other factors for for me with Pepe. I'd love to have um, the, the the debate a little bit more. Genuinely, I just believe that Pepe is better when he has um, players around him, and I think that he um, he he looks better when he's not playing in isolation. When he's got players to, um, to 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 make runs, to make decoy runs, to go on the outside, players who are a bit closer to him to um, combine with. Um, I think we've we've seen that. I've I've seen that he has looked better when we have played with a, a number ten. I like the way that um, ESR has drifted and kind of got over to to um, his side when ESR was playing um, the ten, but also moving over to the other side when Pepe was playing on the other side. Um, Erdegaard as well. I think Pepe's general um, performance level has looked better when he's had players closer to him that he's been able to combine with. Um, yeah, I do think that Cedric gives you. Um, Cedric does give you something different. I think Cedric, um, is it fair to say he's our best attacking fullback? I don't know. I don't know if I'd go that far yet, but I think he, he does give you something. I have liked him when he has played and started at right back. Um, 
Yeah, and I think the 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 two do seem to work well together. I wouldn't be in a rush to um to 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 change that. To be honest with you, um, and yeah, the only thing, my only reservation is that um, Cedric's sample, the sample size is small. The sample size is 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 small as far as Cedric playing games for Arsenal. So, um, you know, would we have reservation? The more we see of him, will we have reservations about his game? You know, because I think that's what it is with Bellerin. Um, his standard has has dropped a little bit, and there are question marks with the mentality. But we've seen so much of Bellerin where I don't think we've seen enough progressions over a period of time that people have made their minds up, but fair, rightly so, and decided this is what he is. And you know, we're not for, for where we are. We need something that's a bit different, and we're not seeing that from Bellerin. And I think that's that's what it is. Um, but Cedric, for what he is, I'm I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. Look, he's 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 an experienced Premier League player. He's an experienced international. You know, um, like he, I I don't have too many reservations about him. I don't know if he's the man to start for us um, beyond the here and now, beyond this season. But for right now, I'm happy. I'm happy with him. I'm happy if he stays fit. I'm happy if he carries on performing at right back in the way um, that he is. And it's a no-brainer for me. He's better at right back than he is um, anywhere else on the pitch for us. Mm. And Sean, so um, I guess my next point would be, so, so like from, from my perspective, I think, you know, as Turkish said, Cedric's not coming. He's not pulled up um, any trees playing right back. But I think the fact that he, it, for me, you can see a drastic improvement from when Bellerin plays there. I see right back as a big upgrade opportunity for the summer. So, like, um, I think the reports are coming out today that Tariq Lamptey is available for £30 million. There's been, um, I think James Ben said that we've been looking uh, at uh, both Lamptey and Max Ahrens, um, as well as Turkish just mentioned. So, like, how, how would you feel about these types of signings? And is there sort of a, a specific profile of right back that you think that we should be targeting um, in the summer? Yeah, it's it's interesting, isn't it? You, you see, the thing with um, Arteta is that he he seems to like his fullbacks to you know one who is pushes forward and overlaps a lot, and then um, one who you know sits in and plays more inverted, you know, as an extra sort of midfielder. So normally, when Tierney plays, we normally he see him you know fly up and down the left wing. Um, fizzing loads of crosses. He didn't do that as much as him, actually. He sat a lot deeper, but normally that's his sort of role. And, and you know, um, the way Arteta has used Bellerin, he wants him to be like, you know, he plays inwards a bit more, so he underlaps a lot more than he overlaps. Um, the problem with that for me is that I don't think Bellerin is that great technically. I don't think he's good technically at all, which is which is my main issue with him. So if you want to, you know, to, to that effect, sort of the role Cancelo plays at Man City, you know, where you have a fullback who who comes into the midfield, who who plays passes through the lines, um, who comes inside dribbles, takes shots as well, then, yeah, you're, you're looking for a specific profile. Um, I don't know if Aaron's or Lamptey are that, but I'd be interested to to, um, to take a look. Um, obviously, part of the thing that worries me about both of those guys is that they are both very, very small. Um, now, that might not be the biggest issue, do you know what I mean? Because um, normally you just want your right-backs to be fast, explosive and, and agile. Um, but, you know, with Lamptey, most of the time he's played for Brighton, he's played as a right wing back. Um, he is very, very good going forward. I guess he's had a few injuries this season as well. So you'd probably be concerned about that. And yeah, just his height, like, you know, that could be sort of the thing, you know, opposition like people target. Normally, obviously, he's playing in, in front in a back five. So he's got three centre backs behind him. So it's not as big of a deal. He's not, you know, no one's pulling over to his to his um, where he is on the pitch and, you know, trying to win headers against him. So that's not as big of a deal. But in a back four, that becomes more of an issue. Um, but you counterbalance that with what he can give you offensively. And he's explosive, very fast, um, constant danger in the final third. So, um a lot depends on what on how Arteta wants to approach it. Um, and then there's also Aaron's as well. Um, it's interesting with him as well, because obviously he got relegated with Norwich last year. I think I saw links with both Bayern and Barca in the summer. So he still seems to be quite highly rated. Uh, to be fair, I don't really have a strong opinion on him either way. Um, I think I just want whoever, because um, one of the things that I've, I've been, I've quite liked about Cedric is even though he's not, um, I wish Cedric was a bit more athletic, but what he is, he's very decent technically, both off left foot, right foot. If you remember that game against Southampton, you know, when he was playing left back and he was, you know, inverted, he was doing bare switches as well, off either foot as well. Um, so he's very, very good technically. I mean, even if he's already scored a goal for us, and if you remember back to that goal he scored 
last season against Norwich on his left foot, you know, like a volley as well. So technically, I like what Cedric brings. Um, so if we could have an upgraded version of that, who's a bit faster, I would be quite keen on that. Um, I don't know who that profile is personally, but it's, yeah, I, I think definitely um, that profile is, is what we would need, but just like an upgraded version in the summer, hopefully. Mm. Cheers, cheers, cheers. And so... Um, on this game, I think there was two notable performances. I think our two best performers um, from this game were playing on either flank. Um, I'll start with Willian because I think that's probably slightly meatier discussion uh, there because from, from my perspective, I hated this deal from the moment it was suggested that we were interested in signing him in like February of 2020 or whatever. I, I went in all my WhatsApp chats. I laughed out the room. I said, no chance that we'd be stupid enough to bring this guy in. But lo and behold, you know, this club knows no bounds. The only club in Europe that was going to give this guy a three-year deal. And it just so happens to be um, Arsenal. But that deal happened now. Put put a draw a line, line under that. He's now our player. And then from he's literally stuck the joint out, I think, from almost day one. Day one was... Um, I think a, a decent enough enough performance, six six or seven out of ten against you know relegation candidates Fulham, not even the Fulham that we're seeing at the moment, the the dead dead Fulham, you know, um, before they got all their you know star boy signings, Africa, um, Scott Parker invited to all the cookout signings, yeah. Um, so before all that, it was probably the worst side in the Premier League that this guy turned up against. So people say, you know what, worth for the money, but. Before that get before uh, the game against Leicester, we basically haven't seen a single good performance from this guy, William. So, uh, Turkish, tell me what you think about this guy's performance to date, and then how you think you know that performance against Leicester might be able to turn it around for us um, if you do. There ain't no turning it around for William, man. Look at his age and like, look at what he's left behind. You know, like, all of us know that he was a decent player. You know, we all know that. We, we all rated him as a player once upon a time, but none of us should have rated him as a signing. Uh, his heart's at Chelsea. He came here, but his heart is still there. And when, you, when your heart is in something, we all know, us man know, if your heart's in something, you're going to put more effort into it. You're going to leave more on the line for it. If your heart ain't in it, then it's, it's the paycheck that matters. Big up Toby in the chat as well, best player. You know? Imagine. <laughs> imagine. Imagine. Toby's happy. The bail's finally come through for him on that side. So we, we, all, made, we all made mistakes this summer, Toby. We all made mistakes. But yeah, Willian, yeah, there's no coming back. I thought, I actually thought this season would get something out of him. When I crit criticised him in the summer, I said, listen, three years on that money, we're going to get one good season out of him. And we didn't even get that. He ain't going to have a, a fantastic last 13 games for me to turn around and say, because even if he bags 10 goals, 10 assists, we ain't getting top four. So I don't care what these men do individually. Like, that means nothing to me. He's part of leading us up to here. Arteta put too much trust in him over and over again. Finally, it paid off for him against Benfica. Car. When we went 2-1 down and he brought on Willian, I thought to myself, this man is, yeah, he's lost it. Like, I haven't said out or in, but what I said that night is, boy, the, the pressure is going to be too much after this. But he turned it around. It worked out. A good performance against Leicester. That's all it is. A good performance against Leicester. We might talk about another good performance in four weeks, but end of the season, we'll agree with our first um, initial feeling of it then. Yeah, yeah, I hear that. I hear that. And I think, you know, at 33, you know, trying to, expect a player to, to to improve i think he's definitely wishful thinking you know so um yeah uh, fingers crossed he, he drops uh no more stinkers i would say before the end of the season but you know um i'm not that i'm not that hopeful and then switching flanks um this was my man of the match you know nicolas pepe um he's come under some some stick this season from fans i think from the manager as well um, he definitely hasn't spoken about uh, Pepe as glowingly as he's spoken about Willian in recent in recent weeks. So, um, Shell, I'll start with you here. Um, what did you make of um, Pepe's performance uh, on the weekend? And do you reckon he, he deserves to keep his place in the team uh, against Burnley? Yeah, I think um, I think Pepe was good. I think, like you, I, I agree, he was the best player on the pitch. I also agree, you know, with Shabs's analysis. I, I've always maintained it from the start. Like I know. Like a lot of the guys in our group and are not fans of him. I still do like him, like because at the end of the day, um, 
we invested him for a reason. Like he does can do good stuff. He is also a very frustrating player. Don't get me wrong. There are times where like his lack of his inability to do the basics can rub you up the wrong way. Do you know what I mean? Like you, you'll be seeing a guy doing eight step overs, but then like a five yard pass and all fall over the ball. Do you know what I mean? So he, he really does blow hot and cold. However, I just think he's one thing he's actually very good at. He can shoot really well. Like I just, that that's one thing he's actually really, he's got good technique when he shoots. Do you know what I mean? So for me, I've always been a fan of, you know, just get him into as many goal scoring positions as possible. And also I agree with Shabs in terms of, he doesn't want to be stuck out on the touchline. Do you know what I mean? So when you look at the stuff that he did at Lille, it was a lot of the stuff of running in behind, coming in off the, you know, he was playing more as an inside forward rather than, you know, someone. Um, so, yeah, so I think the fact that, you know, Cedric supports him, Cedric doesn't, you know, when Bellerin, some, and I don't want to shit on Bellerin too much. Obviously, I think we all think we should upgrade on him, but sometimes Bellerin, like the way he just brings the ball, like he literally stands on top of Pepe. Like, I'm like, bro, you're, what do you want him to do? Like, you're clogging up the space. Like, when Cedric gave him the ball, you know, Cedric maintained the distances. Like, he wasn't trying to get in. Like, Pepe's one of those guys. Like, he's an individualist, isn't it? Give him the ball, let him do his thing. Why are you trying to run up all in man's space? So, um, so yeah, I was happy that, you know, he just, he was allowed to get on and do his thing. I think Arteta's obviously demanded that he works harder, which I also think he's doing off the ball now as well. Do you know what I mean? He's putting in the hard yards, both back and forwards. Don't get me wrong. He's still a forward player. But at the end of the day, we bought him for a lot of money. We're not going to, even even if we wanted to sell him, we're not going to be able to recoup our money. So it's best to pay him as much as possible, for one, to try and get as much out of him as possible. And if you do want to sell him, maybe recoup as much as possible. But I think he's, um, the last like month or uh, six weeks or so, when he's played, I think he's overall, he's done very well. And um, I think he deserves to keep a pace. Obviously, we'll see what happens with Emil Smith-Rowe, but this probably gives you a chance now just to pick a balanced lineup. Um you know, with Odegaard and probably Saka and, and Pepe either side behind Aubameyang. So that's how I would um, approach the next game. So, yeah, uh, credit to him and hopefully he keeps it up. Mm. Yeah, and Turkish, do you want to add anything on Yeah, on I, I just want to ask, yeah, you see how you said um, we might as well play him and get the best out of him, yeah? But then, what? like, for example, what happened to Reese Nelson this season and right now what's happening with Martinelli? And I understand the sentiment behind you. You might as well play him. You spent money on him. I get that. Uh, we did fuck up spending money on him. But in essence, this could turn out to be maybe a deciding factor in a Reese Nelson move this summer or a Martinelli move this summer. Obviously, with Reese, we are not set in stone that that's going to be a certy player that we want. With Martinelli, it is. So more game time for Willie and takes game time away from them two. So that's my thing with it all. I would have rather wipe the slate clean in terms of wages because in essence what we done last summer is we gave 150k more to Oba or a bonus related and we gave 200 to Willian signing on fee everything involved it works out to 200k a week that's 350 we got rid of Ozil in January so the Ozil money we actually saved finally has actually gone elsewhere six months before on a player that is probably going to hold us back in two years with our board telling us we can only loan players because our wage bill is this and that again. That's my thing with it. like, And I just can't see past that. Do you get what I'm saying? Like, with so, so, and- I agree. So, so my thing was, like you said, if you if you truly believed in Nelson and you wanted to develop him, you wouldn't have signed Willian. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. at the end of the day, Willian, is, like you said, he's eaten into minutes of like, uh, Nelson and Martinelli. I, I mean, I think personally, think Martinelli should start being developed as a striker personally. But I agree anyway. Generally, he's eaten into minutes. You know what I mean? So him being here is is a major block for you know what I mean for for both Nelson Martinelli um, and and even like he's he's taken Pepe, Pepe's minutes this season, but he stunk up you know for the whole first half of the season, and it wasn't until you know we changed it up and we started to rely on the youngsters more that um, we started to show more. So yeah. I think ultimately, um, I'm not too worried about Martinelli. I think he'll have. I think he'll get his time, and plus, he's on a long-term deal. Nelson, I probably think he messed up because the start of the season they were saying that Nelson um, Nelson was supposed to. Go. I think he should have just gone on loan. Do you know what I mean? I think Nelson needed a season where he played week in, week out. Um, so yeah, like, and I was quite disappointed that I, I don't know obviously the background of what was happening in January, but I feel like he should have pushed for a loan. Do you know what I mean? I really feel like he should have, like, you know how Smith-Rowe went on, like, he got that loan last season to Huddersfield, played the whole back end of last season, helped to keep them up. I think that's just what, what Nelson needs. At this age, it doesn't serve him any purpose, do you know what I mean? Just to be, like, 
training and playing under 23 matches that, that at his age he's 20 do you know what i mean so it, it makes no sense for him so but yeah i agree with your general point i don't think william should be should have been signed but um i think arteta and eddie want to flog that horse till it's dead so yeah, yeah. And, and william will, will keep getting those minutes unfortunately yeah, you can tell that from Arteta's press conference as well when he kind of came out with his chest out with the Willie thing. And I'm thinking, bro, after one game, two games, that like, take it easy. As a manager, I don't expect you to jump the gun, you know, like take it easy. Yeah, very, very interesting. I think, and your point as well um, about Martinelli, I think is is an important one because I, I've just I've just got bad vibes about that whole situation, you know, um, because when Arteta first came, I feel that he only used Martinelli when um, I think Aubameyang got uh, suspended uh, in that three-game run. Um, and Martinelli, he, he obviously did he did uh, some small business. I think he scored two goals in those yeah. three games um, when Aubameyang was out. So I was thinking, you know what, he's, he's sort of, um, he's planted down a marker here that said I can contribute to the first team. But um, I think after those three games, he only got three more starts for the whole rest of the season. You know, people said that they're... Um, there was injuries and, and whatnot, and he, he was carrying a knock, this, that, and the other. Um, but he was on the bench for a lot of those matches where he ended up not coming on or just getting um, a few a few like cursory minutes at the end as well. So I was slightly worried about him coming back from injury and not getting played. And, you know, I was encouraged when he came back straight. He was rushed back almost, right? So, you know, he came back early, um, and he played those two 90 minutes, I think, straight away. He was stuck two starts. I don't think he played 90 minutes in either of those games. So I was like, yes, right, this guy's back. And then all of a sudden, he's now he's not featuring anymore. So I'm, I'm, there's that, always going to be that question mark in the back of my head as to how much this guy actually, Arteta actually rates Martinelli as a player. Um, because I think basically he got hooked at halftime against United and he's only been given those, like, 10 minutes, I think, against Benfica in the in the first leg. So I am slightly worried about that. And I, and I, I want to link that onto the next topic um, I wanted to talk about. So that's uh, the Lacazette and Balogun situations, right? Because I think they are um, linked slightly. So in t- today's press conference, um, Arteta has asked about uh, Lacazette's contract situation. And they, he asked him, you know, uh, whether or not, uh, you know, the contract talks are underway, et cetera. And he was very coy on it. It was like, you know, those contract talks, they will happen, you know, but they're not happening right now. Whereas on the Balogun situation, he was saying, um, you know, I'm very confident that he's going to stay. Every time I speak to him, he says he wants to stay. Um, we've had some positive talks with his agent, um, but that's Eddie's remit and I'm, I'm trusting him to get it done. And then uh, what I'm reading as well whilst we're doing this podcast is that uh, Le Grove, a good friend of the podcast, um, has said that Balogun is asking for 40k um, to stay at Arsenal, which uh, from my perspective, I think that's a lot of money for a guy with uh, limited first team minutes. But you know, if you do want to show faith in him, it's, I don't think it's an unreasonable um, amount of money to, to ask for. Um, so I guess with the whole striker situation, um, and where do you think that leaves Martinelli? Where do you think that leaves Balogun? Where do you think that leaves um, Lacazette, Turkish? Lacazette needs to be sold this summer. Eddie Nketiah needs to be sold this summer. I don't think there was a chance we could keep Balogun. So if that's the case, 40k, you know, it's the market now, young English talent, homegrown, all of that. Brexit means it's hard to get young European players now. So that's happy days. Martinelli, I, I, I agree with um, with the statement earlier that I see him as a striker too, instead of maybe um, Aubameyang in the next couple of years. Obviously, with two years left on his contract, we need to be thinking forward because in the next two years, we're not challenging for what we want to challenge for. So Obba's not actually going to be part of the bright future that we hope for. Um, so in terms of the striker situation, I think... If Balogun signs a contract, then we're nice because we can make money on Eddie and on Laka and spend it elsewhere. Because I feel like going into next season with Oba, Balogun and Martinelli as your options, it's more than enough for one position. Slash two, if you say Martinelli and Oba can play out on the left as well. So with the striker situation, I'm I'm, I'm actually content with it. I feel like with Eddie, we should have sold him to West Ham in, in January. And with Lacazette, we was told we're not going to allow players to go into their last two years of their contract two years ago. Since then, Ozil, Oba, Socrates, Mustafi, all these men have gone into their last year. 
we could have made more last summer, but it's about looking forward now. Just make something for them. Eight mil on Eddie, take it. Fifteen mil on Lacquer, take it. Uh, at the end of the day, a year left. I'm not having another player run down his contract and leave for free. Mm. Yeah, I hear that. I hear that. Um, Shabs, anything you want to add to the whole striker situation at Arsenal? And I think you know this uh, point raised by Tariq is quite a good one because I think there were some strong links today. Um, I think it's Fabrizio that said that we're, we're looking at uh, Odds and Edward quite closely as well. So that's potentially another striker that they're throwing into the mix there as well. So what I you mean, um, Yeah, I mean, going back to um, Martinelli, I yeah, ideally I'd like to see him uh, featured a bit more, but it's not something that I lose my mind about right now. Um, I do think I understand it. I think we, some, some of us, um, you know, especially a few of the, uh, you know, one touchy guna in particular, medically trained touchy guna, had some reservations about how quickly um, Martinelli um, came back, and um, I, I kind of agreed with that. I felt, oh, actually, like you know, he's he, he's come back from an injury, hadn't really featured in the under twenty threes or had much ma- um, much preparation, and was kind of straight back in there. Played again the second game and then got injured in the warm up of the of the um, third game. So I think he probably might have even started that third game or was likely to have featured. Yeah, because someone replaced him in the in the starting lineup, didn't they? So yeah, he would have played three games on the bounce in in, in quick succession, which would have worried me given um, the severity of, of of his injury. Although we understand that recovery nowadays for that type of injury is better. Um, I think he's 19 years old. We haven't particularly been performing well. Um, you know, I, th- I think it's different when, um, you know, there's a lot of pressure on, 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 on the manager and he, he, he needs to get it right. And I think what he has shown us is that he's looked to, um, some of the more senior players and yeah, a lot of them have let him down. He's persisted with them for too long. Um, absolutely. But I think that's what he's doing to try to um, ensure results and to try to ensure job security for himself. If I think about how many 19-year-olds are playing football, um, you know, first-team football and starting in the Premier League, um, there's not very many that I can think of, to be fair. I think Martin Lenny, though, he's a player. He's still got lots of room to go, um, you know, loads of room to go, lots of development to to, to, to come from him and yeah we need to look after him so yeah I would like to see him feature a bit more but I'm I'm not it's not the type of thing that I'm 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 worried about um I think I'm I'm keen to see how he um what plans how he features in Arteta's plans next season. As far as um Lacazette run him to Roma or run him to Monaco um it doesn't matter to me just run him somewhere and you know I uh, I say that respectfully because, yeah, I think Lacazette has, um, you know, he's not what we needed from him, you know, but um, it's not his, look, it's not his fault. It's not his fault that we went out and signed him and then went out. And- hey, everyone. Before we get into today's pod, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community discord and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is you can get all of this for only $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com forward slash join. Check out the description box for this episode to find out more, but that's bwhustle.com forward slash join. Oh, I think we lost Shabs there. Um, Mid-conversation. Hopefully we can get him back. Um, but... <laughs> Let me quickly address this comment. Look at the other teams in the league, my bro. Who's behind Vardy? Yeah, natural. Who's behind Kane? Vinicius. Who's behind 
Aguero, Jesus, who's behind Firmino? Maybe yeah. Yotta's even in front of him right now. Like the, the, the league's not stacked with strikers at the moment. I think Obba's a 20-goal-a-year striker. Cool, he's getting old. And Martinelli and Balogun can give you the freshness. All I'm saying is it needs to be improved in the future, but the money we have needs to be spent central midfield and right back. I, I, I agree. I agree with Turkish. Like, also, you got to remember, yeah, Arsenal are not a cash like heavy team like that. We can't go. Yeah. Like, it's very rare that, like, do you know what I mean? You have a fifty million pound striker sitting on the bench in Lacazette. Do you know what I mean? In normal circumstances, put it this way: if Lacazette was who we were supposed to be, we wouldn't have gone and bought Aubameyang for sixty million six months later. Do you know what I mean? So, mm. normal circumstances is that you have, you know. Uh, a top striker and then you just have like a young striker backing him up do you know what I mean so yeah the, at the end of the day Aubameyang is the main striker and then like if we have you know you're developing Martinelli and Balogun I, I don't think that's a bad approach to take personally for me I would like you said I would agree with Turkish I think centre mid is apart from party is Arsenal's weakest weakest area on the pitch um, and I would also buy, do you know what I mean we've got Emma Smith Rowe and I'm glad he's developing well I've been a big proponent advocate of his for ages but can't rely on him. We need another playmaker as well. So whether that playmaker comes from from you know a wide playmaker or a central playmaker, um, so yeah, it would be a centre mid, a centre, uh, another playmaker, and um, a fullback for me yeah, as well. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. I would also like a winger, but I think we're quite stacked there at the moment, and I don't think unless we sell um, one of the wingers, which I think is unlikely, the most likely one to be sold is probably Reese Nelson. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, I don't. Um, I, I very much doubt we're going to see much business there. It gives them something to fight for, Martinelli and, and Balogun, because they know Obba's got two years left. They're both going for that position. You know, it's a bit of competition too, and that brings mm. out the best in, man. And did you lot see Arteta's or hear Arteta's comments? Was it today or yesterday about having an unprecedented transfer window? Mm. I'd, imagine that. I, I found that an hour before this show. So I looked at the quotes. He said, yeah, this summer Arsenal need an unprecedented transfer window. He said the amount of transactions we need to do should tell us where we are as a club. So he's pretty much said in that statement for me that we are, well, I don't know if I can swear, but we are doomed. Yeah. <laughs> and, and this summer we need man out and we need man in. And when I say man, I mean six, seven out, six, seven in. This is a good chance uh, in the summer to reset because, you know, wages wise, like, don't get me wrong, he, he can be good sometimes, but we shouldn't be renewing David Luiz. Do you know what I mean? He should be going. Um, it's unfortunate Kolasinac is only alone. We should be looking to find a buyer for him. Um, there, there's, you know, there, there's low, this is a good time to reset properly. Do you know what I mean? We, we've got Socrates' wages off the bills, Mustafi's wages off the bill. Do you know what I mean? So we should be clearing wage space now. To, and this is why, you know, um, even though obviously Turkish, I agree with you, like Champions League is what we want. Even being in the Europa helps, you know, boost the coffers a little bit. Do you know what I mean? So we need... Mm. We need to finish as high as possible, basically, so we can spend as much money as possible. So we can, you know, yeah, yeah, basically. So I don't, I don't, unless we're going to win Europa, which um, I'm still skeptical of, to be fair. But yeah, we need to. Un need unlikely, unlikely. Yeah. And I think yeah. as well, I think as well, um, you know, given the fact that the club have you know, shown Arteta um, their support by keeping him in the job. Um, I think another club would have definitely given Arteta the chop. And there's all this talk about, um, you know, sort of we see this guy as, you know, one of the being one of the best managers in world football. We see him having a great future, etc. Um, and all of that talk, I think, is very empty if you don't then secure the funds for him to go out and spend. You look at the best managers in the world, they're supported and they have been supported with um, checkbooks, you know, people, they want to say, oh, yeah, Jurgen Klopp um, and all of these men built uh, stuff from the ground up. But at the end of the day, Jurgen Klopp couldn't win anything until they went out and bought Virgil van Dijk for 75 million and Fabinho to play DM for 60 million there, right? You need to go out, you need to spend the money. You look at what um, Pep Guardiola is doing at um, Man City and yes, people want to say, yeah, checkbook manager, checkbook man manager, but at the end of the day, City go out and they back who the who most people would regard as the best manager in the world with the best resources to go out and ensure that he, you know, is able to achieve his remit, which is winning the league, winning the Champions League. So if that is where the, the club and the hierarchy 
actually want us to go and where they want us to go. It's not going to be done off managerial talent alone. And I think, you know, every other club in world football has shown you that it's not possible to do off managerial talent um, alone. You might get lucky with a few academy products, a few youth products that come out and be a lot better than what you expect them to be. But if you don't put the money where your mouth is, those trophies um, just won't come anymore. Um, yeah, so if you need infrastructure, it doesn't matter who you are. I think, yeah, you're, you're, you're spot on. We, we've seen that. It doesn't matter who you are. You need infrastructure. I think the infrastructure that um, uh, Arteta, that was here when Arteta arrived, wasn't good enough. Um, um, and, and we know that. So I, I don't know. I haven't read those comments, but that, that sounds like he's calling someone out a little bit. You know, Well, the board, not calling out the board, but like laying it down and saying, this is what we need or we're just not going to be able to cope because COVID market or not, the teams around us are going to improve. They're going to get stronger. The teams that qualify for the Champions League are going to get stronger. The teams that, um, you know, qualify for Europa, if we do or we don't, they're going to get stronger by hook or by crook. So, yeah, we do, we, we, like, we can't afford to, that the amount of work that we need to do already and then, like, teams around us, we're going to allow them to acquire um, better quality than us. We can't. We we absolutely can't. So I completely understand that 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 point. And Arteta is, um, you know, he 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 has shown that he has acumen as a coach. But yeah, absolutely, he needs he he needs better materials. Agreed, agreed, agreed. Um, and David Adde's got uh, this question, which was basically going to be linked to my next topic that I wanted to discuss, which was, you know, Arteta's performance um, as a whole. Um, under uh, at Arsenal, I think has been very much a case of you know hits and misses. You know, I think the FA Cup, yeah, big hit got us into to Europe, but I think his league form throughout his tenure has been very, very questionable. Personally, um, not just this season, but last season as well. So, um, I know I've seen people say uh, on Twitter, you know, given the whole. Um, They've given the post-Christmas, uh, you know, points chart, you know, the 12 games since they've got us in third or something like that on the form, you know, one, seven games, et cetera, this, that and the other. And people are saying, you know, I'm only going to judge Arteta on, you know, these 12 games because this is when he's got his team together. This is when he's got the formation together, et cetera, um, which I think is probably doing him way too big a favour, um, personally, because, you know, um, I think you have to look at the, the league season holistically, um, the, the squad is not that different from, you know, when we were playing pre-Christmas. We couldn't create a chance. We couldn't, uh, we weren't shooting. Aubameyang was literally going through games without having a single shot on goal, etc. A man was banging out Willian, playing him in 10, playing him false nine, playing him right wing, playing him left wing because he had to play in, he had to play somewhere on the pitch and we were suffering as a result. So, you know, Turkish, I would say, how would you evaluate this season um, and Arteta's performance? And then on top of that, I'll ask you this question that David Ades um, asked us as well. What do you think of the rumours about him potentially going to Barcelona off the back of his performance at Arsenal? Are we talking just this season? Just as a whole, as a whole, as a whole. Uh, as a whole this season, not Arteta's reign this season, yeah? Yeah, this season, this season, yeah. Season, yeah, there's, there's, we're 10th and we're at the FA Cup and there's not much left in it. And I think that pretty much sums up this season. The only positive I can take out of this season is I've seen the organisation and structure of the first 11 become a lot more competent than it was, you know, in 2019 and, and before that. I think that's the best thing that's come out of it. I think that's even bigger than the FA Cup win because I, I think that was something so massive that needed to change. You know, when Troy Deeney said we lack cojones and Ever used to say men versus boys, they were right, you know. Yes, there's fans that would get angry and, and miss the point and, and clap back. But listen, take a step back and understand. These are professional footballers talking about the club that they face twice a season, Dini Evra. And if they're saying that about us, that shows the mentality of a lot more players. And if players are going into the games against Arsenal thinking to themselves, we rough them up a bit, you know, we bully them a bit, we'll win the game. That's a massive thing that's needed to turn around. And I think Emery started it with some players coming in. And I think Arteta's pushed it on even further. And it's mad to say that in 10th place, we're less of a joke, in my opinion, than we was two, three years ago. And that's mad to say because two, three years ago, we was sixth wherever we was. But the reality is, I don't think teams are coming into a game against Arsenal now thinking we pushed them about a bit. 
you know, we'll get the three points. It's a, it's a lot be- bigger than that now. And I think he gets credit for that and that only right now because, listen, if this was um, last Wednesday and before the Benfica tie, if we went out to Benfica, I would have told you that Arteta, you know, his head's on the block now. That's it. Because the Europa League is all we got left this season. So those last five minutes that saved his his job, in my opinion, you know, let's hope he builds on it against Olympiacos because what he said today has shocked me because it's, it's facts. And I'm glad he said that. And I'm going to investigate it more. Like I said, I only found out an hour before this show. But he said that today. And on the weekend, he said literally what Shabs was saying before about you can't, you can't rest in the Premier League. You can't have a window where you don't improve. You can't sit tight and think other teams are not going to either catch up or surpass you. That's what he said on the weekend. And now if he's following up with these comments today, I can't lie to you, season's a write-off anyway. After these comments, Europa League, I don't have much faith in it either. I don't think we're going to win it. I want to see Arteta in the summer because he's the one that told us this. And if it doesn't happen then I want him to tell us the truth because people need the, the dots to be connected. I think Arsenal can connect the dots, but there's a lot of fans out there that can't and will dwell on Arteta a bit too much or Emery a bit too much or even Wenger a bit too much. And I'm responsible for that too. We've all been blinded at some point under this board and ownership, but I think this season it's all come to a head and, and Arteta deserves some credit, but... What he says now sticks. We've got we've got a reference point now. So let's see what the summer holds and then I'll fully judge Arteta because he's either with us or he's with them. Them being Cronkay and the board. That's where Wenger went wrong. Let's hope Arteta doesn't make that same mistake and he's, he sides with us fans because that's how it should be. Fair points, fair points. Sheldon, do you have anything that you wanted to add to, to what Turkish just said? Yeah, no, I, I don't really disagree with anything he said. We need investment. Everyone knows we need investment. At the end of the day, like, there's no substitute for quality. And um, unfortunately, the start of the season, I said I didn't think Arsenal would do better than Zip just because I didn't think, relative to our rivals, we had enough quality. Um, we are quite lucky that we've lucked out that, you know, Saka and Emil Smith are, are as good as they are. Do you know what I mean? Because that's an anomaly. That's not, do you know what I mean? You're not supposed to be that reliant on youngsters. And I think that was to Arteta's point against... Um, at the weekend, I think even Lacazette said the same thing. So like the senior players have to step up. Zachary and ESR shouldn't be doing what they're doing. Do you know what I mean? So they should be supplements to the guys who we paid the big money for. Do you know what I mean? But instead, we've been relying on them more. So, um, so yeah, we need quality. We need quality. To um, the point about the rumours about Arteta going to Barca, I think it's crap. I, I, I don't believe in any of it. It's not going to happen. One, partly because um, it's the time of the elections in Barca. So this is what happens in it. They just put, they throw bare names out there. Um, obviously, Arteta was at La Masaya as a as a young player in it, so they've connected the dots and just done that. I, I don't think it will happen. Partly one because he'd be foolish to go and manage Barca. That I'd say is the hardest job in world football right now to go. And, they are a mess. I thought Arsenal are a mess. They take being a mess to a, a different level, and they have so many internal politics. Do you know what I mean? Are going. You saw what was it? One of the board members was arrested. <laughs> do you know what I mean? So that that place is a car crash and. It's, it's, it's a car crash that's been waiting to happen because Messi's been saving them from from this for time anyway. And Messi's going to leave in the summer. So they're, they're, all, they're close to being bankrupt. Their wage bill is astronomical. They need a complete reset as a club. And it's a club where you don't even have power anyway. What Arteta has at the moment is as good as it's going to get. Do you know what I mean? They made him manager. He's not going to have a more powerful position. So yeah, one, he'd be foolish to do it. He's not going to do it. And two, I think... Just the job at Arsenal probably is, is more enticing for him. He might, do you know what I mean? If he's going to move to Barca, you're talking about something that's probably going to happen in like 10 years' time. It's not happening anytime soon. So You don't want to be responsible for that rebuild after Messi because it's only going one way and then they might pick it up after that a few years later. But it's peak right now. Yeah, the media is. Barca going to have some media for real. And this is what I'm saying, man. If your first your first job in football, I think, is big enough at, at Arsenal Football yeah. Club, if you want to take your second one to be the mess at Barcelona, you're you're a crackhead, I think. In, in yeah, honesty, I'm not gonna lie. That would be, you know, craziness uh, upon craziness upon craziness. You know, when the the president, imagine someone coming here and just 
bringing Vinay out of the Arsenal uh, boardroom in handcuffs, yeah, because that's essentially what's yeah, happened uh, at Barcelona. That's that's that crazy. They weren't in boardroom. It was his yard. They, they rolled yeah. up to his yard for like I'm, I yeah, picture man in his boxes and a, and a little vest like cuffed. Yeah, with the, the, the silk dressing gown on. Yeah, yeah like, they're coming yeah. taking bare papers and that bare papers in them box yeah. files and that. listen, <laughs> it is crazy. It's crazy over in Catalan Catalonia right now. I'm telling yeah. you. I'm telling that's, you. Yeah, it's uh, it, it definitely is. And then, yeah, final final point on the, the podcast. I think we, we touched on a few um, listeners' questions as we we're going through. Um, so I'll, I'll end the podcast on this point, right? So our next three fixtures in the Premier League, uh, we've got Burnley uh, away, I believe, uh, Spurs at home, and then West Ham uh, away again, right? So um, let's just go around, around the grounds and do a quick prediction on how many points we think we'll pick up out of the potential nine, um, because basically after those games, um, I think we've got a, a decent little run of um, mainly bottom 10 teams with the exception of um, Leicester and Chelsea there. So there is an opportunity to pick up some points. But I think before going into that run of fixtures, um, we do have these three games coming up. You know, West Ham are high flying. Burnley just got a, a decent result today um, against Leicester and Spurs, our Spurs, it's a North London derby. So, you know, as everyone loves to say, form goes out the window. So, you know, Turkish, I'll start with you. How many points do you think we'll pick up and where do you think we'll pick them up? Probably five points, I'd say, and, and the three coming at Burnley. Okay. Okay, fair, fair. Um, any reasons for that? Why why you don't think we, we can beat West Ham or Spurs? I think Tottenham in between Olympiacos's peak and then West Ham on off the back of those two Olympiacos games and then Tottenham is peak and then Liverpool after West Ham. That's the, uh, the game. It's it's all a bit mad. So I think we've got to be realistic. West Ham, you know, have stood out this season. Moyes has done well there. It's going to be a difficult game. And West Ham, even in poor seasons, they, they, they in London derbies, especially against Arsenal and Spurs over the years, they've they've done their thing here and there. So I think. I think that's my positive um, prediction. Five points. Yeah, you, you don't want to hear the negative prediction. Right? <laughs> <laughs> All right, and uh, uh, Shabs, let's, let's see. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm with Turkish. Five points. Um, people keep sleeping on me because I keep rinsing this, 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 this fact. And Arteta is a one in two manager. As far as his win percentage, he is fifty percent. So. If there's nine points to play for, he's gonna bag you four point five, four point six points on average, and 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 that's just facts. That's what he's shown us. That's what that's what we've seen in his tenure. So for me, from those three games, I agree. I think Burnley's where the win is. I think the other two games are a lot more difficult. I'd be pleasantly surprised if if we get more than draws from those. If we get draws or better, I should say from those games. Um, but yeah, I think I think I think that's where it's at. And yeah, the guy doesn't like he, he hasn't exceeded something like fifty one percent as far as his win percentage. So, I, I, as much as my emotion wants to say, yeah, you know, North London derby, big yeah, anything can happen. Yeah, but my emotion, but the logic and the facts tell me this is what it is. Five points, five points max. And and Sean. Yeah, full full house, man. I think I think Turkish touched on the most important point, which was just about and and I mentioned it earlier in the pod. You know, it's been a very congested season. Do you know what I mean? People are not having any rest, so um, we've got yeah, like Turkish said, got Burnley. Um, to be fair, Turf Moor's got a hard place to go, boy. <laughs> anyway, like, do you know what I mean, if we win, I only think we're going to win like one nil because you know what I mean they're very compact, they defend very narrow, so it's going to be hard to break them down. Um, but we'll be fresh, so I will back us to get a win there. Um, by hook or by crook. Um, yeah, as Turkish said, the Spurs game is sandwiched between both Olympiacos games. So it's going to be very interesting to see how Arteta approaches that. Um, obviously, Spurs are in Europe as well, but they have nowhere near, I can't remember who they're playing in their draw, but it's nowhere near as hard as um, the game we've got against Olympiacos. So I doubt, like, do you know what I mean? He's going to, you've got three days between the first leg and then Spurs, and then you've got four days between the second leg in Spurs, and then you've got West Ham in between that. So I agree, like, he's going to need to be very good with the rotations in between that game because you can't play, like, the same team for the three games in a row. Do you know what I mean? They'll be burnt out and they'll just they'll just lose. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to say five. Um, I think if we were to get six and two wins, I would actually say I think we'll probably beat Spurs. West Ham, I've actually said it for a while, like, this season, 
They're very hard to beat. Even when we played them, if you remember second game of the season, we were proper lucky to beat them. Yeah, yeah it was. We didn't create anything that game. And I don't even know how to, to be fair, they deserve to win. So, and um, you have to give credit to Moyes because funnily enough, West Ham were probably one of the favourites for relegation before the start of the season. But they're hard to beat, man. Like you watch West Ham, yeah, they're just a proper hard team to break down. Um, and I think that reminds me back to like, you know, when Moyes was at Everton and you used to go and play Everton and Everton were always hard to beat under Moyes. Like that's how West Ham sort of reminded me under Moyes at the moment. So yeah, I'll say, um, I'll say five. I'll say like, yeah, optimistic. I say a win and two draws. Very, very good guys. And um, I'll go last then. Um, maybe I'll, I'm a bit more positive than you guys. Um, but uh, I was encouraged by the way we've come back. Um, and and won um, against Leicester after, I think, probably a very, very difficult and stressful European fixture, um, I would say. I think our squad is probably um, slightly better equipped to handle European football um, than someone like Spurs. I think if you've seen the way Spurs have been playing in Europe, they're not really rotating as much um, as you would expect. And, and when they don't rotate, they tend to struggle. Um, so I'm slightly, quietly hopeful that we can do something there. I think Mourinho has beaten Arteta twice twice now, so um, I think uh, we'll be quite hungry um, to go out there and win. Um, so uh, I would like to say that we'll beat, um, we'll beat Spurs, uh, beat Burnley, and then um, I can see us drawing to West Ham because I do think that they're a they're a physical team. They're a tough team. They're very compact. You know, they're defending well this this year, and they do have um, big uh, Mikel Antonio uh, up front, who caused us problems in both both fixtures that we've played uh, West Ham under Arteta as well. And I think in both fixtures, actually, we've been very lucky to to win those matches. You know, the Pablo Mari struggled um, against him uh, last season as well. So, you know, uh, it's going to be a very difficult very difficult fixture. Um, so I'm going to say seven points. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll revisit this um, after those uh, fixtures are done. And we'll probably, we'll at you Turkish, let you know how you've done um, yeah, yeah. Well on, the, on the TL. But um, yeah, uh, that's the, the episode um, there. Thank you very much for coming on Turkish. We very much appreciated your, um, your insights today. So yeah, cheers for coming on. No worries, man. It'll happen again, I'm sure, this season. So no worries, man. Yeah, definitely, man. Always always looking for looking for great collabs, man. Great collabs and great insights. Oh, so so cheers. So and Sean and Shabs, thank you very much for, for coming on. And all the listeners, whether you watch that um live on YouTube or um Twitter, thank you for tuning in. Or if you're listening to this on Spotify, Apple um podcasts or whatever streaming platform that you use, um thank you for listening and make sure you leave us a five-star review, all of that good stuff. Subscribe to the YouTube, subscribe to the Patreon and show us uh, some some of that love for um some more exclusive content. And I think we'll be back um with a Burnley post-match reaction uh, very shortly. I think there's also another interview that's being conducted um today that will be out um shortly as well uh with uh, so so keep your ears peeled um to all of that patron content when that comes out but um otherwise i'll leave it there uh, thank you for listening please it's got to 2-2 two, two and we've still got more than half an hour to go and here's ozil lacazette ozil Baby, welcome to the party. Uh, I'm off the Myers in the lead. That's why I'm over retarded. That's why I'm over retarded. Baby, welcome to the party. Huh? I hit the boy up and then I go skating around. Uh, Baby, welcome to the party. <laughs> Pick some of that. Give me lit. Give me lit. Got no mind. Podcast Network. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. 
Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial, LLC, member SIPC.